0: worthy. You're wonderful. You're everything that we've longed for and everything we're made for. You're perfect. You're clean. You're right. You're pure. We love you, Jesus. And we pray as we open your word, God, would you open our hearts and the the sweetness of your nearness that's already been evident all morning long would just continue to flow over us, washing over us, caring for us, we pray in your precious name, amen, amen, amen. I want Bible. Look at you guys. Y'all ready. You're going to get a lot of Bible today. That's perfect. Thank y'all. Thank you for... They want. I love that. Way to go! Well, we are going to continue in the Bible today, First uh, Thessalonians five. You can turn there right now for those that are ready to go. You can start reading early. Um, we're ending up our series Union, Communion, Partnership. We have really been going all year long. Of course, we'll transition a little bit in the holidays. We're still going to get the Bible, but uh, a little bit of a transition. But we're. Uh, kind of rounding out this journey and our hope and our prayer the whole time has been, Lord, you're speaking to us about unity. So God, may we be unified with you. God, may we be unified with one another according to your word, according to your grace. May May we be unified with your mission that we might be your hands and feet for your glory. And so again, I want to wrap uh, the message this uh, t- this morning uh, out of First Thessalonians five. But before I do, of course, it is Thanksgiving week, and we're going to talk a lot about that using the scriptures in the context of how do we find union, communion, partnership in our houses and in the places that we're going to be gathering uh, this week. But before I do, I, we've got a little QR code, little piece for you top. 10 things to do for a powerful Thanksgiving. Anybody want a powerful Thanksgiving? Of course you do. Well, there's uh, just a few little things to do, like get up in the morning and write down what you're thankful for. One of the other little deals we have on there, uh, wait on the Lord and ask God to tell you what he's proud of you about for the last year. Isn't that A good thing, right? It's one thing to say, God, we're grateful and appropriately so, but God also loves us and He is grateful for ways that we have honored Him. And uh, wait on God and let Him do. There's just some little uh, ideas there. Um, Not only personally, but then for other people, one of the things on there is, hey, initiate a walk with different individuals in your family. Here's some conversational tips and some helps around that. And then, hey, when we gather at the table, what are some things that we can do? One of the things that we've done through the years is put a scripture under each plate uh, of each person that's at our table, and they read the scripture, and then they say one or two things that they're thankful for. Or another idea is um, put, a, put a, a couple things that you're thankful for, write them on a piece of paper, put them in the bowl. Everybody draws from the bowl, and guess who it is, uh, who they're thankful for. So just fun ideas like that, but just practicals to keep gratitude in the centrality of our Thanksgiving uh, gathering. So, hey, I've got a picture from 2021 Thanksgiving gathering at our house. That is my brother, David and and Melinda and kind of our nieces, nephews, everybody's gathered there. And look how happy that family is. I mean, we look happy, everybody's smiling, all is good. And Laura also had an idea for the grandkids that she wanted to make special little shirts for them. And let's look at what their response was to those shirts. They really were cute, Laura did a great job, poor Levi, it scared him to death, that turkey on the shirt scared him immensely. Um, He is Levi James, he's the one named after me, that probably was what I was like as a child, and um, as you can see, not even a smiling kid, we couldn't even get one kid even to smile about this journey. And so, though we had high ideals with the smiling people at the table, uh, this was more the reality of Thanksgiving journey, a bit chaotic. And so, our goal is not to uh, eradicate all the chaos, because we're not going to be able to do it, but how do we bring the grace of God into the chaos of our families? And of course, God's Word helps us do that together. So, I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians 5. And we're starting in verse 12, and it says this, But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you, who have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, that you esteem them verily highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all the people. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing and everything give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And do not quench the Holy Spirit. Woo! There's a lot of rich stuff in there. So what I want to do is I want to apply that to this week of our lives. We're going to go scripture by scripture and want to apply, we're going to apply, hey, how then shall I live this week in light of the scriptures? The first one we looked at, request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who labor among you, have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction. You esteem them very highly and love them for the work that they do. And where I want to frame this one is God has put us all under authority. God himself, you have a boss at work. You had teachers when you grew up. You have uh, parents. Uh, We have government officials. Uh, There are people that are in authority over us. And what I want to extend this scripture beyond like, okay, my pastor who cares for me, or but that would be an encouragement. I'll take an encouragement. Your life group leader, different people that care for you in the Lord. But also, again, think broader. Who can I honor in my life and affirm this Thanksgiving week? Let me give you an example. I um sent a voice message to Dylan Meek. He's the mayor of our city. Now, I know Dylan from way back. I remember when he was a single guy in life group here, and we've taken the journey together. But I said, hey, this voice message is just gratitude for being a godly mayor. Thank you for leading our city. Thank you for pulling people together. Thank you for using your gifts to serve all of us. Thank you for all the sacrifices you made for us. I listed out what I appreciate about him as the mayor of our city and wanted to affirm him and uh, encourage him. Another person that I encouraged was a board of advisors. We have an outside board of advisors that oversee uh, the elders of our church. And so one of those men in the body of Christ, I said, thank you for being a man of integrity in the body of Christ. Thank you for being faithful to us. Thank you for sticking through thick and thin. Thank you for giving us correction and help and care. I just tried to list off all the ways that I was honored by this particular individual that again, would be someone who serves us uh, uh, as a, a people. Who might those people be in your life? A, a form, it could be a former mentor or a teacher or a friend. I promise you, people never feel over-encouraged, <laughs> over-loved, <laughs> over-honored, especially those who have sacrificed, those that you know and those that you don't know. But the question to this first kind of part of the journey going through the scriptures is it says we're to appreciate, esteem, and love those in authority, those, those uh, around us and over us. But what about the imperfect ones? That would actually be every authority in your life uh, in this side of heaven. And for us, I've shared this um, through the years, but uh, for Uh, in our family, uh, our parents were uh, both a blessing and the greatest challenge of our lives, and a lot of dysfunction in our family. And several years ago, our parents were in assisted living. We were gathered, again, with the David Seibert side of the family. I have four siblings, or there's four of us, excuse me, three siblings. But half of us were gathered together. Our parents were in assisted living, and we didn't know how many more years we would have with them. Again, a lot of pain, a lot of dysfunction in our family. But we got together uh, as kids and we said, look, how can we honor mom and dad? How can we find the good things about their life and give them a place of honor at the table. And so at the end of our Thanksgiving meal, we said, Mom and Dad, which they had never had this happen to them before, we want to honor you. And um, maybe we had a sub motive to watch our kids do this so that they could do the same later in life. Could have been a little sub motive teaching moment, but also it was. To just bless them and honor them in their latter years because they did put a roof over our heads. They did feed us. They did sacrifice beyond what we could even imagine. There are redemptive qualities in their lives that we carry to this day that God put in place regardless of their brokenness and the pain of their lives. So you can honor those and esteem those. And when you do that, not only does it bring a grace to the, those who receive it, but it also models that for others. And again, the, the end of that verse 13, it says, live in peace with one another. That peace comes when we bring peace into the midst of the chaos of people's lives. We do that by affirming, esteeming, and honoring. The next scripture, verse 14, says this, we urge you, brethren, Admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, and help the weak. So, first of all, where do we do these three activities? Admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, and strengthen the weak. For us, there's a couple things that I do preparing for Thanksgiving. Laura's with me in this. I think she does the same. Is we begin to pray for everybody we're going to be with at Thanksgiving those that are going to be full of joy and expectation, those that might be challenges. But we're going to pray ahead of time over everybody that's going to show up at our table or everybody we're going to be with this week because we want to bring the peace of God. We want to bring the grace of God to each one that we interact with. So you can pray ahead of time for who you're going to be with this holiday season. That's one way to do this. The second space um, is that I intentionally set aside that I'm going to take each kid for a walk or each of the, it, the, the spout, their spouses or each of my grandkids do something small but intentional that allows me unique time with them to exercise God's grace towards them. So here's what happens when you get there. So you got praise, praying. And your little walk or initiative, you go have coffee or whatever. Here's one thing, just by the way. I don't know if you figured this out. I'm gonna really have a good conversation with this person, and you try to do it in the house where the chaos is. How's that worked for you through the years? Uh, it is very challenging, right? So you got to figure out where could I not just have a good idea, but where could I have a plan to be with them. All right, so here it is. It says, uh, encourage, or excuse me, admonish the unruly. So here's one thing about relationships. All relationships, according to scripture, have spaces where you have to speak the truth in love. Key verse, in love. 90% of my message today is going to be gooey love family stuff, way to increase the grace of God and the, that warmth of your home. This one though is also the grace of God. When we see someone in sin, we don't acquiesce to that. We look for a way to help them out of their sin. If you say you love me and you see me in sin and you're not praying for me and trying to help me out of my sin, then the Bible says I will have death and destruction in my life and it will cause death and destruction for someone else. There is a way to do it. We're prayerful. We're gracious. We're speaking the truth in love for their sake. In our family, at least our direct family, we have given each other permission. If there is sin in my life, something that is hurtful to you or to this family, you have permission in the right context, in the right timing, with a lot of grace, to speak into any area of our lives because we want to honor Jesus with our lives. So again, I think too many times we are so afraid to address sin that we end up letting people destroy themselves and then are sad on the backside. It is loving to address sin in a gracious way for their good, not to get them off of your back. Does that make sense? There's a lot there, but it is, um, let me just say it another way. A lot of times um, I have realized that if I don't say it, no one else is right? And my encouragement to you is you are that person in their lives to lovingly, prayerfully, graciously, only on their behalf. There may be a day or time or moment that you're needing to speak the truth in love. So secondly, let's go to the encouraging side. So, which actually speaking the truth is encouraging. All right. If Modesty and really encourage the faint hearted. Now we talk a lot about this. This is a part of our community. Thank you for those in the room, those listening online. We just have such a gracious community. Encouragement is central to the way we do our lives. We put courage in people, we see value, we call that out. I'm so, so grateful. So, encourage the faint hearted. Everybody gets faint hearted, everybody does. I do. You do, whether you would tell me that or not. I know that to be true. Hopefully that's not a consistent thing in our lives, but everybody gets faint-hearted. So it says, encourage the faint-hearted. So just as I was praying this morning, um, I'm sitting here uh, uniquely on the front row, the elders, uh, Isaac and Chastity. I just wanted to say what a joy and gift you are to this body. You guys are Truly rocks to this body. I I whispered over to Jeremy King and I said, man, these guys are rocks in our body. He said, I just went over and prayed that over their lives. Thought maybe God's trying to say something today to encourage you and your kids and your family. Thank you for loving Jesus, loving this body. Thank you for being faithful to him. Thank you for honoring him with your lives. You guys are a joy to walk with and a joy and an honor to Laura and I and the leadership of this church. And I just want to say thank you and honor you today. We love you. Yeah. And then Zach, Zach and Sarah Garza. Can y'all come up here just a second? Just, yeah. Can y'all come up? Uh, I know you weren't expecting this today. Uh, I, yeah. Like, like up here. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Up in front of everybody. Uh, <laughs> hi. Good to see you. Good to see you. Zach, good to see you. So when we do these things, I just pray and say, Lord, who are you highlighting? And I get teary. God's highlighting you today. He sees you. He knows you. He knows the good. He knows the pains. He knows the challenges. He knows what you need. And I don't actually know what all you need today, but I know that God does. And um, my belief is that he called you out today to let you know that he's ahead of you. He sees ahead of you. You know this. This is not just a theological conversation. This is a now word. He's ahead of you. And you don't know what's ahead, but he's already ahead of you because he cares for you deeply, deeply. You are the apple of his eye, and he looks on you with tenderness and kindness, and he cares for you. Somebody gave me a little bit of money. It's not a lot, but it is it's it's there. It is. Amen. Sarah, you take I that. It. it is. It, it is intended to put faith in your heart today you. for you, just for you. Can you extend your hand? Let's pray for these guys. Lord, thank you for the Garzas. Thank you for their love for you. Their life's journey of opening their hands and their hearts of crying out to you in places of need and places of joy. And Lord, thank you that you're ahead of them today. You are ahead of them. You know where you are leading them, and they are in your hand, so much so that you'd pick them out of a 1,000 people today and you'd put them on this stage to let them know they're loved. Thank you, God, that you are their provision. You don't just provide. You're their provision in every area of their life, God. May an abundant grace be poured out over them all week long. And, Lord, we're thankful for them, and we bless them as a people today. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> you. Love you Love y'all. Isn't that good? Yes. It make you just feel the life of God. God shows up when we encourage one another. Encourage the faint hearted. Uh, it says, "Strengthen the weak." Anybody have any weak family members? Uh, family members with weaknesses? Yeah. If you raise your hand, you are one of those as well. Uh, <laughs> Wasn't trying to call you out, just state the obvious. So when we gather, there is weakness present in our gatherings. What if this Thanksgiving holiday we covered somebody's weaknesses instead of exposed them? Instead of picked on them, instead of say, Oh, there it is again, you always do this. What again? Um it's one thing if it's sin, it's another thing if it's weakness, right? So here, here, here's a funny one, uh, 18 years of Thanksgiving at my house, all 18 years, didn't miss a one at my house, my mom burnt the rolls every Thanksgiving, <laughs> every one. It was, it was like we would talk about it ahead of time, everything would be planned, and I still can hear it, oh, I forgot the rolls, it, it, 18 years. And then I would come back from college, and every year, there was not, you can ask my brother, this is 100% true, and it was never intentional, right? So we could say, You're gonna burn the rolls again this year. We've, we've had it you know, or we could just say, Can I do the rolls this year? You know, <laughs> I really like non-burnt rolls. I'm happy to do that and to cover you. I use a light-hearted illustration. Could it could be someone's forgetfulness, it could be someone's challenge in parenting, it could be somebody's challenge in a personal area in their life. Everybody has weakness. What if this Thanksgiving holiday, instead of demand or expect somebody to be perfect? What if we actually just covered each other and didn't say anything about it? Whoo! That would be like Jesus. (laughs) If Jesus exposed all my weaknesses on a daily deal, I would literally be a pillar of dust right here, let alone my own sin and challenge that he forgives and he is gracious and he is tender. That's why I think the scripture's there, right? Strengthen the weak, care for them, get behind them, Be sacrificial or help the weak. Be patient with everyone, verse 14 ends. Wow. The implication always is, as God has been patient with you. Next verse, verse uh, 15. Everybody doing okay? All right, verse 15. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Wow. Make sure that we don't return evil for evil. And First Peter says this, don't return insult for insult. Usually family is our greatest place of pain or extended family. They're the ones closest to us, the one that kind of can push our buttons. And it doesn't just have to be family. Of course, it extends well beyond that. But um, when we talk about don't return evil for evil, uh, but seek out the good for one another, I just want to kind of lop this into uh, the forgiveness realm and the blessing realm versus the unforgiveness and the bitterness realm. And though we talk about this often, I don't know if you know, but we need to talk about it often. (laughs) The reason that it's uh, admonished throughout Scripture is because we need to be reminded daily because we are offended and will be offended. So here's the deal. When you go into the holiday season, I know that many of you are hoping and praying that no one will offend you again. No one will do anything wrong. No one will be their usual self. But I, 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 my faith isn't that high uh, for your gathering or mine. Maybe I should be, and I, and I want you to hope and pray for better days. But my faith is high that you can bless, that you cannot insult, that you cannot retaliate, and you can wish good on them, right? So let me just take you to this centrality again, the core of forgiveness. It goes like this. We forgive because he forgave us. He's forgiven me maybe a million times, let alone a thousand And so in the same way that I've been forgiven, I'm asked to forgive. So forgiveness is a choice. So I forgive in the name of Jesus because I've been forgiven. That's a given. A second exercise of grace is to then pray for those who've hurt you. And the scripture says, even pray for your enemies. Bless those who curse you. So it's one thing to judicially forgive by faith. I've received grace. I give uh, forgiveness. It's another thing to bless those who curse you and forgive those who have hurt you and to pray for their good, even those that you might consider an enemy, whether even if they're in your own home. And so to pray for them and bless them for their good. Oh God, would you not only, I forgive them, but now, Lord, I pray for their good. I pray that they would find you. I pray they would find grace. I pray, Lord, that even though they have caused pain, that you somehow would pour good on their lives. We begin to turn the tables on our residue of pain when we begin to bless those who curse us. And then maybe the last one uh, for today's little lesson is, and when their name is brought up and somebody says something good about them, when you know something bad about them, you say nothing. Yeah. Woo, next level. And again, maybe, maybe you got this down, but this is just kind of my little latest exercise. Forgiveness is a given bless those who curse you and and insult you and ask for their good. And then when their name is brought up in a good light and you know something bad, unless it is sin or needs to be addressed civilly or whatever, uh, uh, in a court of law or something. But in most situations, that's not the situation. I need to just agree with the goodness of God in their lives and not bring up that which is evil. For in the way that you expose others, you too will be exposed. In the way that you judge, you also will be judged. So our encouragement and the admonition of Scripture is don't return insult for insult. Don't return evil for evil, but wish and pray for goodness, even in those who have done you wrong. So we have grace flowing now in our Uh, home and household. So how do I then kind of not, I've told you a lot of stuff to do, but then how do I house grace personally? How do I now own my own vessel, if you will. Um, And it says, uh, as we go on through the scripture, uh, 1 Corinthians 5, now we're on verse 16, it says, rejoice always. Paul picks this up in Philippians 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say, rejoice. Rejoicing is different than giving thanks in everything, which we're going to talk about in a moment. But it says, rejoice always. In the Lord would be another little way to say that. So the way I encourage and strengthen my heart, regardless of the chaos of my circumstances, is I rejoice in the Lord and in his goodness and in his grace. Now, I want to share a scripture I've shared many times, and I understand that these are repeated things at times, but my life is one needful repetition of looking at Jesus again and again uh, and um, through familiar passages and getting deeper and wider in them. The longer you meditate on a particular passage that the Holy Spirit has highlighted over your life or in a situation it's the amount of authority you're going to have in that space. It's not I've learned that, I've got that. It's I'm learning, I'm growing, and again today I'm meditating in order that the Spirit of God may deepen and widen His grace in my life so that I might give that as a gift to others, not just only strengthen personally. Okay. So we're going to go to Psalm 103 as a way to rejoice in the Lord. I was first introduced to this passage, of course, by reading the Bible, but by a friend in college who said... Psalm 103 is a direct correlation to what has been provided through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. When I am saved by grace through faith and I trust in Christ, my sins are forgiven. And now I enter into a relationship where the throne of grace is open and God's provision is available for these particular blessings that I rejoice in on a daily basis that I might reconnect to what God has done in my life. Okay? Okay? So let me give you an example. Again, if this is review, may we review with joy today. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. That soul, is the, that's the part that we work at our salvation in. Our spirit man is born again. Our body's just this flesh can take care of it, right? Uh, but our soul is what houses working out the goodness of God. Our mind, our will, our emotions. How do we own this beautiful truth of being the Lord's? Right. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is in me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Forget none of His benefits. And then here are a few: Who forgives all? my iniquities. I can rejoice always, rejoice in the Lord because my sins are forgiven. Actually, it's impossible to rejoice in the Lord without that revelation because of the blood of Jesus. So I rejoice that my sins are forgiven. It says the next phrase, who heals all my diseases. Now, for some of us, this is a difficult theological pain point. You say, man, I am still dealing with sicknesses. I have problems in my physical body that haven't been healed. But when I look at this passage, I look at the God of redemption who calls himself healing. He calls himself jehovah Rophe. In his nature is healing. Through the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, Isaiah 53 says, by his stripes we are healed. Jesus pulls that, that uh, Isaiah 53 forward in Matthew chapter 8 when it says that he's healing everyone. And he, he repeats out of Isaiah 53 to say, in the atonement is healing. So do I believe in healing? Absolutely. Do I believe in physical healing in the now? Absolutely. And I also realize that I will ultimately be healed forever and ever when I see him face to face. When you are in heaven, all will be healed. This verse will come to pass, 110 percent plus you will be amazed what it feels like to be totally old. So I will be healed. I believe that I am being healed, and whether I see it or not doesn't nullify the promise that God is healing. Does that make sense? So, I bless the Lord because he forgives my iniquities. I bless the Lord because he heals my diseases. I bless the Lord, he redeems my life from the pit. One of the reasons that I bless the Lord in the morning, and especially Thanksgiving holidays, as things are, uh, we have a beautiful side of Thanksgiving holidays, we also have a bit of a numbing side and a painful side. So when I wake up in the morning and I bless the Lord, he redeems my life from the pit. Thank you, Lord. When I look up, my feet come out of the pit. Psalm 25 says, he takes my feet out of the miry clay and he places me on a rock. When I look up, my feet come out. Does that make sense? So he redeems my life from the pit. He crowns me with loving kindness and compassion. Most of us in this room at one time or another deal with guilt and shame understandable. We live in a fallen world. There's things we've done that are hurtful or harmful to others. We wonder if we're worth it, if we're of value, if we're worth anything to God. But God himself has initiated through Jesus to pursue you with loving kindness and compassion that he might overwhelm you with grace and cast out your fear. This is him speaking for himself. (laughs) So when I rejoice in that, I can be triumphant over guilt and shame. He crowns us with loving kindness and compassion. He satisfies our year with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagle. The older you get, this is a little harder to believe, but it's 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 true, right? He renews my youth like an eagle. And the way I see it as I get a little older is he pulls me above it and allows me to see him for who he is and to not be relegated by my circumstances and my life, He renews my youth like an eagle, and then it says He judges those things that oppress me. For those who've been around a while, you've seen me do this, where I get down on my knees, and when I feel like the enemy and the accusation of the enemy are overwhelming, I just say, "Lord, here I am, in the blood of Jesus, covered by Your grace." Lord, get them, destroy my enemies. I'm not thinking people. Sometimes I am. But I repent of that, but. Lord, the enemies of of God, the lying, deceiving spirits, Lord, deal with them. You already have. Now take them out as I stand here and rejoice in you. All right? We got it? It's going to be a great Thanksgiving, you guys. Rejoice in the Lord. All right? Pray without ceasing. This has always been a Interesting while I remember a new believer in college. Everybody wondered, what does it mean pray without ceasing? Do you run around and say, I bless so-and-so. I ask for this. I can't talk all the time. I can't pray all the time. What do I do? All that it simply means is believe that the heavens are open and you are with God and he is with you. Prayer is communion with God. It's abiding in God. It's recognizing him in every moment of every day by his grace, not in perfection, but in recognition that he is communing with me and and I'm communing with him and he wants to talk to me and I want to talk to him. It's keeping the the reality of an open heaven before my heart and before my mind. Um, When you walked in today, most of you should have gotten uh, for the 53rd time our little prayer card, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Hopefully you got handed that on a piece of paper or cardstock. And the reason that we keep handing that out is in hopes that you'll use it to help you to pray. So, here's a common thing that people say to me: um, "I want to pray, I just don't know how to pray." And how can I know how to pray? And of course, I try to help them practically. But but, but I, I I've got I don't want to insult your intelligence. So let me just let me just insult my own intelligence. Okay. Sometimes when I went to that thought, I don't know how to pray, I thought, well, there were some people in the Bible that asked Jesus the same question, actually his disciples, and they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, pray in this way. So when you say, I don't know how to pray, and Jesus said, here's how you pray, probably we have our answer. I mean, I don't know, maybe, uh, did that sentence make sense? So, they asked the question, Jesus, we don't know how to pray, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, Oh, I understand that question. I heard those words. So here's how you pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth who is in heaven. And of course, there is a there's sentences there that have deep meaning, and then there's an expanse of that, but you do know how to pray. Well, I want to pause there. If you out of your mouth says, I do not know how to pray. I I understand. I, I don't feel it. I don't understand the complexity. But Jesus gave you literally words to pray and then hopefully understanding to learn to pray. So this little card is to help you get up in the morning and you can just Look up the scriptures. You can just go straight down the line. You can pray through it so that you can begin to strengthen the grace of God so that prayer doesn't feel like something that's out there, but something that's obtainable literally just by following the words of Jesus. Does that make sense? So I believe that you can pray uh, because Jesus said you could, and I believe you know what to pray. It's just will you exercise that muscle of grace to lean in to pray. Pray without ceasing. All right? Maybe one other little practical. Um, Laura and I did this yesterday. Um, Laura jokingly said, oh, okay, you're you're getting all uh, pumped up here. Because on certain days I get ADD and I'm like, we need to do this, we need to do that, we need to do that. She's like, okay, all right, what are we doing? So when you pray over every room, we're praying over every room, we're putting anointing oil over the doors, praying over all the property, we're going to march around seven times. She's like, hello, good morning. You know, uh, uh, (laughs) I just was stirred. That if we're going to gather in the name of Jesus, and this property is God's given us, then we're going to pray over this property, and this is going to be a place where his glory dwells. We need him. So you're welcome to use that. You can use that according to Jesus, Scripture, and ideas. So pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So what I do know is that you want to pray. I just told you how to do that. And I know that the other thing is you probably wouldn't be here if you didn't at least have a desire to do God's will, right? So you want to do God's will. I got, got, got the answer for you. Like I, I can help you with God's will. Be thankful on everything. It didn't be thankful for everything. There's terrible, bad things. We're not grateful for people's lives who are being destroyed and wickedness and darkness. We're not grateful for that, but we're grateful for the grace of God that's greater than that. Right? Romans 8.28 is, the, of course, the, the common companion of Scripture. And God is able to make all things to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. You're made in His image. You're called according to His purpose. That's already a given. The question is whether we're going to love God. And that does not mean a perfect feeling of excitement. What it does mean is I'm going to lean into God in the midst of of my stuff and my chaos and my challenge and ask him to come invade it by his grace and then thank him that he is able to do above and beyond what I could ask or think. And so gratitude at its basis is simply bringing God's grace into the imperfections of life. And when we talk about write down things you're grateful for, what we're trying to do is get your head up, get your heart up, see what God is doing so that you have strength for the ugliness that you're trying to address in life. But if you just complain, it not only quenches the Holy Spirit, but it blocks God's grace out of doing a miracle, at the very least giving you strength to walk through it. We are in need of strength. Therefore, God commands us and everything give thanks for this is God's will for you so that you have strength and grace in help, not only in your time of need, but in others' time of need. Hey, just a couple other things we're almost almost ready to wrap is at the table, um, I mentioned earlier, one of the things that we've done through the years is put a scripture under the plate. There's so many scriptures on gratitude and thanksgiving. And whether we've had believers or unbelievers or people walking with God or not walking with God at our table, everybody reads the scripture. And the power of the scripture read, even from a person who doesn't believe, is amazing. And my encouragement to you is at the very least, do something like that. So they, 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 for us, they, they pull the scripture out from underneath the plate, and then they say one thing they're thankful for, one thing they're grateful for. And for some of you guys, I know this is very painful because you say, I've tried to do things at my house and they haven't worked, or I'm kind of the, the Christian and everybody's going to get a little uptight if I initiate or whatever. My, uh, my one encouragement, first of all, there are, they are already uptight, so not a lot to lose. Uh, <laughs> they're probably not doing that well if God's not in their life, so there's still probably nothing to lose. But how you do it is just be really gracious. So here's an idea. If you say, hey, uh, as everybody's eating and sitting around the table, and you may be the only believer there, or the only one that's interested in leaning in, you might just say, hey, can I tell you what I'm thankful for this year? I'm thankful for this, that, and then call somebody in the room that you're thankful for. And choose the softest person in the room, by the way, and say, Johnny, that's what I'm thankful for you. And tell them ahead of time, Johnny, I'm gonna do something. Can you tell me what you're thankful for? See if something spontaneous might start happening of just gratitude. And it doesn't have to be. The scriptures being quoted everywhere. Just get a little gratitude going at the table. And if somebody makes a snide remark, like, what are you trying to do? And everything else, just say, I'm trying to be be grateful because I love this family and I'm grateful for us. John, what about you? Just be a little more assertive to bring grace into the space because people want it. They do. And they need it. And you are that person that God has put in your space to be grace this Thanksgiving. Hey, the last verse is don't quench the Holy Spirit. (laughs) A lot of of people you want to frustrate, don't frustrate the Holy Spirit. That's, That's not a good idea. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is hovering over your heart and your home, drawing people to Jesus, wanting love and grace and mercy and gratitude to abound. The Holy Spirit is always wanting to break into people's lives, but we have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That's why he's called the dove. We don't uh, um, um, kind of let our personality rule over our lives. We're constantly submitting back, Spirit of God, fill me up, fill me up. A companion of scripture Dorothy shared last week, Ephesians 5, says this, Don't get drunk with wine, for this is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, seeking and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. And of course, I don't want you to get drunk on alcohol, and that that's, that isn't today's uh, topic. But the point is, I often think of when it mentions don't get drunk with wine, it it literally represents the world. Don't get drunk on the world this week, hoping that something of the world will satisfy you and replace the grace of God. And again, enjoy a great meal that is godly. Enjoy a wholesome movie. Enjoy fellowship, play games, have fun, all that beautiful things that that goes on. But Don't think that if I get a break through worldliness, I'm going to get to righteousness. It just doesn't work. So God offers a table of grace for us, a table of love, a table of joy, a table of hope, a table of help. There's so many beautiful things that we can enjoy both in the natural and in the supernatural. But let's not think again that the world's going to get us to the way of grace way we do that is by saying Holy Spirit come just begin to pray that with me Holy Spirit come come into my heart again of course he lives there he's resident but fill my heart we pray fill my heart Holy Spirit fill my home fill my attitude Lord fill this week Holy Spirit come and fill this week with your glory, gratitude, thanksgiving, praise, prayer, joy. We need you, Lord. We need you and we want you. And we want you. Hey, let's all stand together. If our prayer teams can come to the front. I know that for so many people, you just need help. A lot of heavy stuff. We start talking family. I know there's places of pain, places you need somebody to agree with you, pray over you, pray for you. You may be one of those, hey, I need to believe God heals all my diseases. I've got a physical sickness. I need somebody to pray over me today. I know there's all kinds of conflicts in homes. You're walking into tough spots. A lot of us, more than half the room, by the way, you're not singled out. But that's why we pray for people every time we gather. We just wanna pray for you, pray for that gathering, pray for your home, pray for your brothers and sisters, pray for your own heart, pray for the ability to forgive. Whatever you need, we got people up on the deck, we have people down here. And hey, if you don't know Jesus and you're watching online or you're in this room, today is the day to get saved says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you feel far from God, you're not sure of your own salvation. You're not sure that if you died tonight, that you would be with God in heaven. You believe that your sins are blocking you from God. Today's the day of salvation. And today's the day of grace. Again, whatever you need prayer for, whatever's burdening your heart, if you're with a family friend or someone, you just need to come on down to start coming. Start coming and get prayer. You might grab a friend or a roommate or spouse by the hand and say, come on, let's agree together right now. But let's all be praying right now for whatever we need. If you're online, in my mind's eye, I see you on the couch just reaching over to a loved one and saying, all right, let's hold hands together and agree that God's grace would abound in our home in this season. We're here to help you practically by praying for you and caring for you, but God is here fully, fully accessible right now. So Spirit of the living God, we've already prayed it, but I pray again, everyone watching online, everyone in this room, we pray salvation, we pray healing, we pray restoration. We pray the unlocking of unforgiveness and a grace to pray and to bless those who curse us and hurt us. God, I pray Let prayers, hey man, if somebody comes to your mind, just start blessing somebody who's hurt you. Just start praying for their good. Just do do something to respond in this moment. We're going to be singing and honoring Jesus, but I want to just encourage you to be praying, coming for prayer, praying for one another, or praying yourself as we call on the name of the Lord. For his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name.